is the real bad dudes cast. It's anthology time. Anthology time, where we look at segments from either anthology movies or episodes from anthology shows. I'm Rage Killer, and I'm with Rain Nick and Scary Jersey Guy, and we're doing the first segment of the first episode of the 80 Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone 85. This is like. This is one of the only Twilight Zone 85 episodes I actually can stand. And I, I love the Twilight Zone. I've got the entire original series on DVD on my shelf. Well, yeah, Rod Sterling was the shit. He made really good stuff. This 85, no. And then the movie just sunk it. Well, this is a story by Harlan Ellison, and I can I generally like Harlan Ellison's work. And this is all right. The rest of the series, though, no. Just no. I yeah. vaguely remember much of anything of the 80s Twilight Zone. Hoping to discover more episodes that are of decent quality. <laughs> Robert Block, the author of Psycho, described Harlan Ellison as the only living organism I know whose natural habitat is hot water. Yeah. Harlan could have been an asshole at times. I... His natural state is married five times. Yeah. His natural state was screaming. Yeah. He would have gotten along really well with Klaus Kinski and um uh Hunter S. Thompson. Uh they would have either become fast friends or they would have torn Harlan each other's heads Ellison. off. That Harlan Ellison is a fucking nut. Total maniac. He's the type of person that would go dancing with tadpoles and fucking penguins. <laughs> Entitled Shatterday. In which Bruce Willis Goes to a bar, drinks too much, eat too much uh, greasy food, nachos, and, well, he shats himself right when a hot babe walks in. So he rushes to his apartment, only to find out that all his underwear is already stained. And that is the twist of the episode that is Shatterday. No, um, so... Shatterday? <laughs> Explosive Taco Bell diarrhea day. <laughs> yeah, this is one of Bruce's early roles. <laughs> Wes Craven directed this. Yep, Wes Craven and so Bruce Willis. Yeah, and this is actually where Bruce has to show that okay, he's got acting chops and he can act basically act off of pre-recorded lines of himself, which is not easy. Yeah, now, Bruno was always a very good actor. Um, I got a ton of respect for Bruce Willis. I mean, he's obviously a well-known pain in the ass, but so are a lot of people. You know, especially considering the source material of, of this particular episode. We were just mentioning Harlan Ellison. But he, he was a very good actor. Most people just know him as Die Hard, but he's he's done a lot with his life. Yeah, as actors go, he's less of a prima donna than, say, Stallone. But he, he has his moments. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Shatter Day is a story in which Willis's character, um, I believe his name was Peter J. Novins. Novins, okay. He goes to call his girlfriend, he calls himself, and he ends up interacting with a alter ego of himself, and that's more or less the plot synopsis of the episode. Um, so I guess we could do the whole recommend, not recommend thing, and then just jump into the story. Um, yeah, I'd recommend it. Um, though it's not, like, the best episode, it's definitely a slow burner, but it was interesting. Uh, Rain? I would say it's the best episode of Twilight Zone 85. I mean, I I really, really do not like the 85 Twilight Zone. Give me the classic any day of the week. Uh, this is the only episode I will watch of 85 and not feel a tinge of anger and illness. Yeah, 
there's only like one episode I remember the 80s one and it's the one where the little girl goes to like a zoo to get new parents or something that's the only episode of the 80s one I even remember uh Wolfman it's scary jersey guy thank you um (laughs) um out of the 85 series this is probably one of the only really good episodes I mean Twilight Zone me and Rain were just mentioning before we started that um you know Rod Sterling was a visionary you know, he, he really was a, he was a hell of a storyteller. And that's why Twilight Zone is legendary. And that's why it's managed to live through some of the controversies that the series um, uh, has been through. But the 85 series, holy shit, those were bad. But this was a good one. I, I definitely recommend it. Going to the main plot. Uh, we go with uh, traditional Twilight Zone opening, opening or rather a, a nod to tw- the traditional Twilight Zone opening. We get the you know, opening iteration that you know some people pushed for what they want, some people push for what they need, others just push and eventually find something that pushes back. Uh, yeah, I know I'm not exactly the proper announcer voice for that, but this is what we got. <laughs> Opens up, and Nobins is sitting at a bar. Just sits down, just orders his drink, and he hasn't even gotten a drink in yet. Lights up a cigarette. This is because this is back when you could smoke in bars. You know, he's telling the barkeep his troubles. He realizes, oh wait, yeah, I'm supposed to meet somebody here. Hand me the phone. He dials in, and he's greeted with a, you know, some. He accidentally dials his own number, but he he realizes hey, somebody picked up. I live alone. This ain't right, and decides to okay. Well, let's see what what happens. This kind of shocks him on a level because he hears a very familiar voice, his own. Immediately, you know, pays his tab, leaves the bar. Whoever he's meeting just got stood up, <laughs> and heads to a payphone. Well, that is something. It's like, I mean, shit. What would you? I mean, like, how the hell would you react? You know, if like called yourself and you're like someone else. You know, yourself answers. <laughs> I'd be booking it back to my house, too, sweet. <laughs> Probably with handgun in tow. <laughs> They're calling I, can imagine, I can imagine Lots having a phone call with himself. Hello, are you <laughs> interested in trying some new chemicals for your pool? No, I am not interested in trying those out. <laughs> so he's just going to try to sell shit to himself? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Good evening. Is your refrigerator running? Why, yes, it is. Well, I suppose you better go catch it. That's who he reminds me of. Sulu. His delivery is like Sulu. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he's not here to defend himself, so we can say whatever we want. No kidding. Hey, Sulu was not an insult. Hello. See? Yeah. Well, he does go, oh my, a lot. Oh my. <laughs> That's, well, that, well, whenever we ask him, do you recommend this episode? He goes, oh my. This is not something that I would typically recommend, but I digress. I enjoyed it. All right, moving on. I know all and see all. And I'm not like Sulu. I'm like Scotty. Here's the, the running trope through this. Each day is a day of the week altered. First day is someday, which by this, this is a strange note. You can tell very, very clearly that Nobins is in New York if because... Down here in the south, you are not going to find a bar open on a Sunday. Hell Just no. ain't gonna happen. The next day is Tuesday. So Monday was skipped. We have no idea what Novins is doing <laughs> during Monday, which knowing the naming convention, they would have just named Moan's Day. There's probably nothing been bitching in a constant day. Sounds like an S and M week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, for Tuesday, Tuesday, he Novins wanders into a bank and cashes out his entire account. Calls the grocery store, tells them to you know make sure there's no deliveries delivered to the apartment. Um, and he's actually pretty cordial about it. I mean, you can tell he, he's upset, but he's not pissed off. Normally, when people close out a bank account, they're either extremely pissed off or extremely depressed. They, they don't usually just you know, cordially cancel an account. And he's doing this to, quote-unquote, try to starve out his alter ego, which this is jumping to a lot of conclusions as well as a really odd tactic. I mean, he could have gone back to his house at any time. He's got his key, he's got that. But whatever, you know, him talking to himself shook him so bad that we now find out that he has rented a hotel room. He calls up his alter ego again and realizes that oh wait there was two hundred dollars stashed away which is enough to buy groceries for a couple of months now you can definitely tell this is the 1980s because two hundred dollars for groceries ain't gonna cut you for about a, a couple of weeks oh sure he then talks to his you know alter ego wondering if you know what's happened here is something like what happened in the novel star rover or if you know he in a very strange nod they actually Wes Craven and Harlan Ellison actually here bring up the fact that, oh, well, I was, you know, there, there's aura photography. Maybe that, you know, we goofed around with that. Maybe that's what caused this. Right, which was interesting. <laughs> oh, it, for the 1980s, it's actually very interesting. Because remember, this is right at about the time when Yuri Geller was getting big. Now, Yuri Geller and most of his kind were summarily debunked by Edward Randy, but that's almost getting into the weed. I suggest looking it up on your own time. It's actually quite both fascinating, hilarious, and tragic. But he's he's thinking that, it, more more germane to the story, he's thinking that something somewhere caused his his spirit or soul or, you know, whatever you would attach to one's persona to split. After all of this, his alter ego tells him that, yeah, I'm. you, you remember Mother? You, you know how you just kind of left her? I've invited her to live with me. This kind of upsets our, the, the Novins that we're following, not the alter ego, so much so that it just shattered his ego. He just hangs up in a rage. Uh, basically, Wounds Day starts off with, there was a storm going on, Peter's sick, and he's staring into the apartment um, uh, from the street. And he picks up the payphone, calls the guy who claims to be the other Peter, He's, you know, yeah, let's work things out. And the other Peter says that the more deserving of them should take over his life. And this is when um, it's revealed that um, the other Peter turned down a really shady advertising job that was previously accepted by the original Peter, you know, and this is where it gets really ominous. It's just, you know, why did you do this to me? And he's like, well, you did it to yourself. And this is where it's really starting to pick up for me. Because it's just kind of typical of Harlan Ellison's writing where it starts off really intense, there's a bit of a lull, and then you get to the middle where it really picks up, and then there's another lull, and that's you know when we get to the climax. Yeah, he's very big on the whole three-act mm -hmm. play setup, and I can't blame him for that because it is proven. It's in most plays, it's in most, you know, in most dramas, but he drags out the the three-act play by adding you know really kind of suspenseful moments where you know, those moments and lulls where you you have to really grasp the fridge horror that you're staring at 
Right. Then we get to day five, which is free, free day. day. <laughs> Gets a phone call from the other Peter about um, making amends with Zix. You know, who left her husband. Um, and then uh, the other Peter reminds him of the woman and child up in the apartment. And then uh, I eventually dumped her, got bored of the relationship, and how cool that was. Then they have, like, a you know, discussion of the current girlfriend and how she was ready to leave him. But then, uh, you know, the other Peter convinced her that the relationship was, you know, was worth holding on to. And then the other Peter says he plans on marrying her and having children. Something that, you know, the the sick the sick Peter well, hadn't considered. <laughs> so we get to Shatterday. Yeah, this is, this is where Bruce Willis actually pulls out the acting chops because when he's told to act sick, dude looks like he is dying from the flu. Yeah. And he's got the shiver down and everything. You would swear that, okay, they were filming this while he was very unwell. <laughs> they got him sick on purpose. That's Hold on. That's acting. Acting chops. What's that? Influenza virus. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. Willis never came across a method actor, so <laughs> that'd be a hell of a method thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, you'll just be sick for the next two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Maybe he was sick because his soul left his body. <laughs> it could be. It could very well be. I mean, it's a case of it's going to be taken multiple ways. It could be his soul left his body, or you know, it's a case of the bad decisions are coming to haunt this version of Peter. I... Well, he does say that he's more or less becoming just a memory. Yeah, we are told, you know, very expressly by the. Uh, to set the scene, he's in the hotel room, shacked up, sick as a dog, just absolutely. He looks like he is at death's door. The doppelganger, quote-unquote, the other Peter comes in and tells him that, you know, it's time to come to terms with the fact that you're being replaced, which normally would sound like it has some malice in it, but really there's none there. It's more sympathetic than anything else. And our ill, you know, Peter J. Novins basically just asks, like, okay, well, you know, what's going on? You know, take good care of mom. You take good care of, you know, your new stepson. He also asked him if he would have done anything differently, and he just pretty much says no. Yeah, because he, he realizes that, yeah, this is this is the best option. The two shake hands, which if this were, you know, a temporal difference, they would have both exploded. And he disappears. The, the funny thing is, as the speech goes on, this version of Peter, the sick one, you can tell the voice is getting more distorted and faded. It's a very subtle touch, but it's, it's, it's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It, it was a pretty deep story, and it, it's something that you really have to pay attention to. But the one thing that I did like about this movie, well, we can call it a movie, I suppose, but the thing that I liked about this episode is just that it's one of those things where you really could sit down afterwards and try to, you know, the implications of the episode. Like, what what is this all about? And actually have, like, a pretty deep conversation about it. But who really does that shit nowadays, you know? But that's what it's like us. Yeah, it's it's a lost art, it would seem. Well... This is going to date this episode, but it's a lost art up until you start talking about modern series, and they 
current series, which everybody is now crying, moaning, and seeking therapy over. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you guys to decide which one that it is. Uh, so <laughs> as we don't date this episode completely, there's a lot of disappointments, but this one's a big one. Yeah, it's about uh, the American spirit. It's a neat episode worth checking out. Um, so is the well, the next one, but we'll get to that some other time because uh, Craven did two episodes for the or two segments for the first episode. The the next one was an updated version of the whole time watch stopping time thing. When you break it down, Shatterday is a tale of coming to terms with the self and one's actions. It's a tale of introspection. It's not. It's heavy material. It's not something that's generally done for entertainment. That's why this is a hell of an opener for a series, but you're also setting that bar very, very high, and they never really matched it again. You have to have a writer that can pull this off, mm-hmm. which means you have to have somebody with experience and who's studied the past and realized, okay, that's a trope, that's a trope. This hasn't been done yet. Let's investigate this. If you're gonna if you're gonna cover a trope or you know dive back into the well, you better make sure what you drag up, what you produce, either completely lampoons the known tropes, or is a shining example of it. Because if you come up with anything else, you're gonna come up short. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven and Harlan Ellison, you put them together, holy shit, that would be a good movie. And instead, it just turned out to be, you know, a bright spot. It, well, the, uh, the episode was kind of mediocre, let's be honest here. But it was mediocre, but it was still a bright spot on a fucking lame series. Yeah, it's... The candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And in this case, they just ran out of fuel. Um, they <laughs> don't want to sound crude or crass here, but they really blew their wad right on, on the... Okay, it's enough to fill fill up a you know a really nice 30 minute spot with an introspective story it's no real action to speak of whatsoever it's almost all you know psychological and then it all collapses like a flat in a cupboard the original twilight zone was actually so ahead of its time that it was still fresh to me and my brothers when this was airing because when this was airing a local station was doing it in syndication and you know i'm a young kid i mean i'm by the time i 85 had come and gone and it just really did nothing for me because I was way too damn young to understand it, you know, come like 86. Now understand I, in 86 color TV wasn't a a super, super, you know, everyday thing. Some places had it, some places didn't. I remember, you know, staying up late at night, which you understand I'm a young kid at that point to watch the original twilight zone on the TV in the living room. I had to sneak to watch that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it still held up for all of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course I definitely recommend the original. Especially now you can watch it in HD and it looks phenomenal. And lo- yeah, a lot of original episodes definitely still hold up. Oh, even as soon as it came out on DVD, I, I ended up buying it. I was say, even in the first season. See, for my, for my generation, it was... Um... I watched Twilight Zone, and that was something that I'm, uh, you know, it would come on pretty late. Sometimes it actually catch it on Nickelodeon for some weird reason. Um, but for my, you know, like being a, a kid of the 80s, my, my my shit was Tales from the Crypt, you know? So I, I, I guess Twilight Zone was, you know, the previous generation's Tales from the Crypt, and then it just went on. 
Yeah, like Tales yeah. from the Crypt and like '90s Outer Limits on the '80s uh, Twilight Zone. Hopefully, there's some. Hopefully, there's a few more at least good episodes within the three season they did. Well, that, that's something else you got to look at too. Is if you ask people that are fans of this type of show, list off a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes, and you're going to be like Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks in the car in the movie. You know, like, yeah, you remember that episode with Burgess Meredith, and he was, like, yeah, he was the last guy on Earth, and. You remember, oh, the one that really creeped me out was the one with the little girl and the doll, and Bell said, come here a minute, and then turned her into a doll. That's how you can talk about the original series. You, you just get excited talking about it. And it's not nostalgic glasses. It's because they were really ahead of their time. Much ahead of their time. Like, yeah, did you ever watch the 85 Twilight Zone? And it's just, no. <laughs> that concludes our review of Shatterday. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Until next time.